It's the most wonderful time of the year. Is it? Yes, it is. Is it really? Because I'm 24 hours away from watching Spider-Man No Way Home. You are obsessed with that. You do realise that. I think a large part of my life has been building up to this film. And that can only mean it's going to be a disappointment. Yes. Yes, it will be. Yes. (laughs) See how Elaine just, just shits on my dreams. <laughs> I don't understand how you, why you're excited about it. It's just, it's just Spider Man, isn't it? Like I'm sure it'd be great. Like obviously it's got this big build up, hasn't it, of who's going to be in it. I get all of that. You know, you're go, you're probably going to like go. Oh, it's Andrew Garfield, or oh look, it's Tobey Maguire. Spoiler. Just yeah, come on. That's clearly what's going to be happening. But I'm sort of like. Oh. I really hope they bring back someone really random. Yes, see that would that would interest me more if it was someone that knew you know, like someone really, really Although obscure. not so random as when they brought back the kid from Iron Man three oh, in yeah, Avengers no, Endgame and everyone was like, who the, who the hell's that? He's at a funeral, why is he there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh well I, I mean I'm happy for you, don't get me wrong. Like I'm happy that you're happy, but I just yeah, but I'm not a big fan of Christmas, so maybe it's like that whole run up to Christmas thing. Well, what have we skipped two conversations? No, but here? you're saying it's the most wonderful time. It's like Christmas. It's Spider Man. There's films coming out. It's lo- lovely and everything. But um, it's it's not my favorite part of the year. What a chilling insight into my <laughs> life for all the listeners. I'm not a big fan of Christmas. The Grinch uh, sat opposite me. Um, <laughs> I haven't stolen Christmas. I'm just you know. I'm, much happier just ignoring it to be honest with you yeah and, and up yours to everything you're excited about <laughs> yeah. yeah you know i'm not a big fan of forced fun and i'm not a big it's fan not forced of fun it's just going to the cinema <laughs> well i'm not talking about that i'm more talking about the sort of the run-up to christmas it's because you started singing a christmas song that's what made it's made me put the two things together anyway i'm very happy that you're going to go to the pictures and you're going to see a film that i'm sure is going to be fine <laughs> how's that <laughs> Is that a bit happier? Yes, yes, that's perfect. Thank you, thank you. We've got a hell of a lot to talk about because it's been a long time since we did a main show. Yeah, yeah, we're we're back with a big one. Yeah, um, so apologies that we've not actually had um, um, like a show talk about current things. However, we've been quite busy, as you will have seen, doing our Happy Matrixmas. Is that what we're calling it? Well, you've, you've been calling it that. Into the rabbit hole. It's not, it's not into the rabbit hole, it's down the rabbit hole. That's, into the woods. That's what you called it. I, I, yes. It's your thing. <laughs> right, so yes, we've got down the rabbit hole. For people who haven't noticed on the feed, down the rabbit hole is a Matrix rewatch because we're, I'm actually, this is what I'm excited for. I was about to just wait, I was setting you up to this yeah. so that I could take about your... Uh, <laughs> take, take my joy away. I'm really excited about the Matrix resurrection. Really? <laughs> What far? <laughs> All right. You don't do a Keith Harrison Oval impression. That's quite exciting. <laughs> yes, I'm quite excited about that and because it's coming out. Is it Boxing Day? It's Boxing Day. It's Boxing Day. Yeah. It comes out. I should know because we're doing a whole, you know, a, few, a, whole, a whole rewatch uh, for that purpose. But yeah, because it's coming out on Boxing Day, we're doing um, a Matrix film a week, aren't we? So we've done an introduction, which we talked about our relationship with the Matrix. We've, we've done The Matrix, so yeah. that came out a couple of days ago. We're um, going to watch The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix... What's the last? Revolutions. Revolutions, yeah. Revelations, revolutions. Revolution. 
Something like that. We should know this. We should. We haven't watched it yet. Yeah. uh, Oh well, uh, maybe we'll find out. So yeah, we're going to watch the original trilogy in uh, readiness for Matrix Resurrections coming up. So if you're interested in the Matrix, it's it's a a film of your like it is for us. Twenty two years. Twenty two years old. uh, Then please check out um, on the feed our Matrix rewatch. Also, there's. Well, there's strictly no, um, not strictly any Christmas content from us this year. We have appeared on the movie Robcast again. Uh, we we're very nice to be asked to be on the movie Robcast for their Christmas special. And we top out our favourite Christmas films on there. Yeah. Um, I had some great fun um, listening to that yesterday. It is, it's a long one and it's all their friends talking about their favourite Christmas films and us. Um, and then they intersperse it with loads of really interesting discussion about Christmas films and stuff like that so really recommend it it's over on their um, on their feed at the movie Robcast um, and it's yeah their Christmas special it's a Christmas spectacular it's fantastic and uh, as you say really delighted to be asked to contribute to anything the Robs do really yeah should we talk about some TV yes please let's go watching television watching television so speaking of you not liking fun yes You've stopped walking, watching Hawkeye. I haven't stopped watching Hawkeye. It's just that you keep asking me, oh, should we put... Well, I keep saying to you, oh, should we put something on? Or can we just put something on? And you keep suggesting Hawkeye. And I just haven't been in the mood for Hawkeye. So, yeah, it's clearly not captured my imagination in the way that perhaps it has for That's you. That's literally you stopping watching it. Okay. you say, I'm not but bothered I'm not, about this anymore. No, but I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not going to go back to it. It's probably just something I'll have on in the background maybe when I'm wrapping presents and that sort of thing. Okay. Rather than, I don't want to just sit and, oh, I really want to watch the next episode of Hawkeye. It's not that sort of TV show for me. Anyway, you've carried on watching it. So how many episodes have you done? So I'm up to the fourth episode, which mm-hmm. is as much as I've gone out at time of recording. Oh, because it's not all No, it's out. not oh, all I didn't realise no, that. No, it's one a week. Right. So this is the fourth MCU TV, Disney Plus TV series uh, after WandaVision. Um, the one about... Uh, Captain America? Yeah, Falcon and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. (laughs) And Loki. Yeah. Um, I forgot about Loki. Yeah. This is a largely a buddy cop um, TV series uh, set around Christmas. We we have a very different Hawkeye than we had left at the end of Avengers Endgame, I think. Um, He's affected by the goings-on in that film. But this is quite a small TV show in that he, all he's trying to do is he's trying to deal with some shit that's going on and get back to his family at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Inject that shit into my veins. Um, It's got Hayley Steinfeld in it as a... I, I don't know if she's going to become a main part of the Avengers. It does main, look that way. But it certainly seems that way. I uh, mean, they're setting it up, aren't they, yeah. for his retirement and her to take over. She is a... A girl who lives in New York who clearly has some money but has been brought up um, being an expert archer, being an expert martial, martial arts, artist. Yeah. yeah. Very talented. Um, people from outside the MCU, well, from the wider MCU universe appear in there. I think we've had one and a quarter people appear so far. I don't think you can say MCU universe because the MCU has a universe at the end of it. So it's like pin number. Yes. Just saying. Anyway, carry on. She breaks me every time. <laughs> um, and this is just so much fun. 
which yes. which is why you stopped watching it. <laughs> it's I think when I'm when I'm watching it, it's fine and I'm in it. I just don't feel compelled to watch it because I don't. I'm not particularly keen on the people. I f- I'm finding Haley Steinfeld's character a little bit annoying. I think Hawkeye is the least exciting of the Avengers. I'm not a massive MCU fan, as you know. It, it, I really liked WandaVision. Yeah. WandaVision is my favourite out of the lot of them because it deals with themes that resonate. I thought it was so interesting with the television and the cultural mm. aspects to it. So it floated my boat thematically. The others haven't really done anything for me, even though Loki I thought was interesting on a visual level. This one is, you're right, it's fun. When I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, that's fun. There's a couple of laughs in it. I like things like the Steve Rogers musical. I like those little Easter eggs. She's, you know, you're right. They've got this buddy cop element to it where she's a bit snapping at his heels. He's a bit sort of weary old man. That's fine. I'm not particularly compelled by the buddies in it. I don't really care what happens next. I just don't really care. <laughs> that's terrible. But yeah, yeah. I, there's nothing that's drawing me back into it. I'm not going. Oh, what's happening now? Oh, what you know? And maybe it's because there are other shows on at the moment that where I sit and if we pause that show, I will turn to you and go, "What's going to happen next? What?" Could, and it's and they're so compelling that this sort of thing is a bit more a bit of fluff, and I'm not really that bothered about a bit of fluff. So I think I'm instantly drawn to Tony Dalton from his who plays one of the, if not the baddie, someone who we're certainly led to believe might be a baddie. people keep talking about that. I've heard this on like the Empire podcast, on the other ones that we listen to, like people going on about doing spoiler specials on Hawkeye, and everyone's going on about, I think he's terrible. I know you know him from Better Call Saul. And I think he has a lot of, I think he has a charisma which he is bringing from Better Call Saul. I think he's really wooden and must, well, he's he's wooden slash moustache twirling. And I don't find him an interesting presence at all. I just think, oh, he's wandered in from Panto. That's interesting. And I wonder but I don't know I him. wonder if it's his um if we are by proxy taking the threat that cause he's a very threatening character. And he's one of those sort of smiling but mm-hmm. threatening characters in Better Call Saul. Okay. Um and I wonder if that if that's where we're getting this from. I I don't think he's the baddie in this at all. I think he's he's almost like a red herring. Um and I'll, I'll reserve who I think is the baddie, but yeah. Um, there's a major actress in this that... Uh, that has really has, had has much looked, to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that the MCU has suddenly found people with uh, disabilities because mm. in a month after 14 years of able-bodied superheroes, we've now had three deaf characters and it seems like the MCU... It, obviously, scheduling things haven't been released in the order which they were filmed and stuff like that, but it does seem like MCU has found a new toy to play with, um, narratively. Which, it, which in, on the one hand, isn't a bad thing. No, it no, isn't no. A bad thing. I think no. you've just got to be careful that it's done well and it's done appropriately and what we would, what I would really like to see are people who... who who are disabled people playing these characters rather than someone playing someone who has gone deaf. Which in two out of the three cases it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So I um, think we've got to think... Representation is interesting. Yeah. When you think, oh, well, we've got people who are showing disabilities on screen, but wouldn't it be great if 
people who were actually disabled got the opportunity to to make that representation on screen. That's the only thing that that makes me hesitate. And I know you're saying that they are doing that in the most part, but yeah. I think we'd like to see that in total. But I think if you want to, I think so I, I, I'm going to disagree with that because as part of this plot, uh, part of this plot, Hawkeye has developed hearing loss. Uh, he wears a hearing aid, and without it, he is lost. And uh, part of this. We, we experience the world with him when he has lost his hearing aid. I think the experience of someone who we know and are familiar with through the film's experience in this is different, is, is, a, is a narrative, is a genuine narrative um, storyline that, that can be told. And through necessity, you have someone who is hearing in, in real life. To then have their experience of, the, yeah. of them not being able to hear. I get that. I do get that. What I'm saying is what we don't want to do is just have the uh, the the a-listers who are non-disabled playing people who are disabled oh, that's that's yeah. what i'm i don't want to have happen because we've had that for years on end that's how people you know if you're looking at incredibly cynically that's how a lot of people have won oscars yes you know and we what we want to do is try and move away from that that's the only hesitation i have with it i'm not saying that it's, about, it's but we also thing. have we also have the echo character who is deaf in real life yes. um is also has a physical disability yeah. as well um and in the eternals we also have also a deaf actress playing yeah. a deaf yeah. character I, 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 I think we're on the same page yeah yeah i yeah i just I don't agree. think it's a, a get out of jail free card no and i don't think i, I think the fact that we've had so many so soon it feels like a new toy that they are playing mm, with. That's, the, um, yeah. that, that's, that's my worry about yeah. this. Well, this is, um, yeah. We're agreeing then, I think. That's good. Just in a very aggressive <laughs> very, way with yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. But this is so much fun. Um, I love... I think the Rogers musical is... Which appears in the trailer, it's mm. not... A, is one of the best jokes the MCU has ever done. Uh, I've had the music from that, the release on Spotify. I've had it on, uh, on repeat ever since. If you listen to it, no. it's it goes through. Yeah, I won't say it, but yeah, it goes through the plot of a film of, of an Avengers film. Um, it's so well done, and it's just it's just shit enough for it to be perfect. Um, yeah, highest recommendation from me, or oh, not highest recommendation, but it's it's a fun Christmas TV show, and I think that's exactly what I needed at this time. But not so much of recognition. Recommendation from you then? No, it's, but it's not my thing. Yeah. It's not my thing. Yeah. One division pulled me into it for different reasons, but this is isn't for me. And it it and it's hard for me to say anything other than this because this is just the way I feel about these shows, these TV, uh, these TV shows, mm. and these films. It does feel very network TV. It feels like something you would see on like Sky One. Um, yeah, at, yeah. At, at seven like o'clock. Yes. That sort of yeah. Yeah. I think it's the top end of that, and I think it's as a change from the normal pace of the MCU universe. Um, sorry, I did that on purpose. Um, I, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot, and I, I don't see how you can find Hilly Stanfield annoying. I, 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 I find the cat not her. I find the character annoying, okay. but maybe that's what she's meant to be. She's meant to be a young girl who's yeah. full of enthusiasm, and mm. you know, yeah. and it's just that and nipping at his heels all the time and trying to suggest things for his branding and that sort of thing. I just, I'm, I feel like <laughs> Hawkeye. I'm like, can we all be a bit quieter? Can we all just calm down a little bit? Let me just rest a bit. Let me just think. That's maybe I um, kind of take on. The Hawkeye yes. persona. Yes, yeah, that as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of curmudgeonly, not fun, but also fun, 
Succession has come to an end. Season three of Succession. We have just watched the final episode and we want to catch up on the podcast. Just give an overview because we, we started a couple of episodes ago. We started by saying we'd seen a few of the episodes of season three and we sort of said what we thought about them. But now we've come to the end. We wanted to say just a little bit of what we think about it, that the whole season. But we're also going to do a separate episode where we can spoil it. Because I don't think we can talk about succession properly without actually getting into the nitty gritty of what happens. Interestingly... I have listened to a few podcasts, a few review, you know, when people do a review of every episode yeah. that haven't been as excited about this season as the others and have been quite down on it. I think this is one of the best shows that has ever been written. And I love this series. I love All right, this. Mark, with your uh, <laughs> hyperbole. No, but the, I mean, this is the difference. The MCU does nothing for me. This dark comedy because there is comedy in it this toxic family these relationships between the people incredibly rich people being awful to each other i love it i love it so much i think if you take the money away i think if you take the the business away and the fact that they've got billions of pounds and they're flying on you know these super jets and everything like that if you take all of that away what you are left with is a study in toxicity oh yeah. and a study in families that aren't working yeah and that are actively working to undermine each other and i think it is so well done there is so much truth in this show that jesse armstrong must have drawn this from somewhere <laughs> the guy who wrote, and obviously there's a big right writer you know there are lots of writers on it yeah. and, but it, it i find it so truthful mm. And I think it's it's cringeworthy to watch. I've got my hands over my eyes so many times, so many times I'm going, oh no, oh no. And even though the people are awful, awful people, you find yourself rooting for the worst people because you can see the pain they're in. You can see the abuse that they've suffered at the hands, particularly of their parents. In this this series, you're really starting to see the parental abuse that they've had and the, the effect that has all the way through their lives. You know, and even as adults where you think, oh, they're going to be a little bit more grow, they've got a bit of their own more autonomy. Yeah. You can see the child within, particularly in characters like Roman, for example, who's the youngest of the children. Even though he's an adult, he's he's in all these positions of power. He's got the ability to give someone a million pounds to make something go away. Yeah. You can see in his body language, and I think um, Kieran Culkin is wonderful in this, although it's very, very difficult to pick out anyone actor you can see in his body language how he becomes the beaten child you know he's someone who has suffered physical and mental abuse as a child we've we've learned that yes so you can see you can physically see his body crumple and the face the face looking for love there's there's something so so emotionally driven in this show where people that you shouldn't like people who are awful awful people who have real badness in them you want them to succeed you you have moments of going yes you know where they get one over on someone who is equally as bad and yeah and then when they come together as particularly as a sibling group as well when they when they come together and you think oh they're, they're going to try and do something together as a as a team you really feel that that compulsion for them to to do something but then equally when that gets crushed you're like oh but look yes and that's they're after right. me and then they just start kneecapping <laughs> yeah, each other yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's, I think it's it's one of the most amazing things I've ever watched. Now, I haven't watched West Wing. I've not... I've watched a bit of West Wing, but not the full thing. I've not watched The Wire. I've not watched The Sopranos. I wonder whether other people who have watched those sort of shows feel the same way about those shows. This is the, the way that I hear people speaking about those sorts of shows. I think Succession, for me, is my version of that. I can see that. I can see that. I think this isn't the this isn't the series season that everyone wanted, and I think at the end of season two, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there is um, Kendall takes a turn against his father, tries to go out on his own, and I think the natural assumption from everyone was that this would be Logan versus Kendall. And that would be the season on who's on what side, almost like Civil War, uh, almost like Captain America Civil yeah. War, yeah. Um, just to take it back to the MCU universe. Um, <laughs> but what we've what we've ended up with is something far more cerebral. Jeremy Strong has been in the news recently um, for for reasons that if you look up, he will know. Um, I think you can go into it. I think is it the, the is it the New Yorker? Yes, or was it the times i can't remember anyway one of the new york papers did a um a profile on him which essentially ripped him apart in terms of his method acting yeah in a way that i don't think you would get with someone like hoffman or someone like robert de niro robert de niro everyone loves the, that he's a method actor everyone loves the fact that he puts a lot of weight on then he loses it then he's he's the godfather then he's this then he's that you know yeah. oh he spoke italian for a million years and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga recently came out and said that she was in character for a year and a half for the House of Gucci, right? Everyone said, oh, isn't it? Oh, oh, she's, oh. Jeremy Strong, who's clearly someone who might be a bit difficult yes. in real, real life. Let's pick him apart for doing yeah. that. Because what, you know, if that's his process, that's his process. As long as he's not harming anyone, there must be hundreds of people in the acting profession, who were a bit of a knob, you know, like <laughs> there, there must be, there, there has to be that. That's it's that. Surely the world lends itself for people being a bit difficult. Yeah, I don't know why they've gone after him, apart from the fact that they want to pull him down. Yes, you know, and there's, I really feel that's that thing of, oh, he's doing really well. Everyone's giving him all these plaudits. Mm. Let's just bring him down a peg or two. Yeah, in a way that they wouldn't do with De Niro. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. the way that they're not doing with Gaga. I mean, they'll yeah. get Gaga in different ways because she's a woman. I get all of that. But it's a, there's a real, like, oh, he's doing really well. Let's just knock him down. Yeah. And he might be really difficult to work with. But if that's what if that's what's being produced, mm. you know, that's if that's his method, that's his method. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've just got... I just feel really passionately about that. Why have they picked on him? Unless there's something that we don't know. Yeah. But... I just felt it was a bit of a snipey, a snipey piece. For me, the MVP of this season has been Matthew McFadden as mm. Tom, who has gone from like seriously progressed from almost like a comedy side character to someone who is integral into the inner workings of the plot. Um, I, I really want to talk about this in spoiler. Well, we're, we're uh, yeah, um, Kieran Culkin, of course. Continues to bring it. Sarah Snook um, continues to bring it. But I think that there is so much that has developed with um, Matthew McFadden's character, Tom. Um, I'm just so looking forward to season four, whenever yes, that may be. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a while, though, isn't it? It is. We're not going to get anything yeah. next year. It's going to be a while. But, you know, if we have to wait for this sort of show, I am happy to wait. And I'm really pleased that we did it 
episode by episode week by week that would have been so easy just to watch all of this in one and just consume it madly whereas I've really looked forward to what I have called Succession Mondays. Succession Mondays have been a real highlight for me, especially the beginning of the week where things, you know, you start work and you think, oh, this is going to be a bit of a long week. Where actually Monday started Mm. off on a real high because I would know that we would have Succession to watch and then we would have amazing podcasts. The Cinemile did a brilliant week-by-week review for their Patreon members. We're Patreon members of the Cinemile, so we we were listening to that quite greedily, waiting for that to come through on our feeds. There's been Fire crotch and normcore which i have to say very carefully in case i get it wrong but that's jeff lloyd and sarah barron i've followed jeff lloyd's career since the very first podcast i listened to was the virgin radio breakfast show with um jeff and the sadly departed pete who um, yeah really got me into podcasting like that that was my um that was my entrance into it um that for me has been a revelation that podcast as well i've just loved it so much and because they did a friday what they call friday sprinkles yeah because they did that friday episode as well i would have something else to look forward to at the end of the week just really lovely shows that have helped cement the watching of it do you know what i mean like you know how we talk about like podcasts have been like a major part of our lives yes this i think has been a really good example of watching a show talking to each other about it but then being able to go off in our own little worlds and listen to other people talk about it and then come back again and talk about the other people talking about it like it's been such an important part of my watching of the show have been those two podcasts in particular to really pick up on what they've been saying and it's really really interesting that this doesn't feel like a show like Westworld or Lost where you have theories and stuff like that but it absolutely is to the because this hides so much in like with sleight of hand mm. and it's there is a there is a mask that it puts on it doesn't tell you who you should be rooting for it doesn't tell you the character development is slow and it's methodical but it's there in the background and all of a sudden you'll see someone who has been played as a fool mm. all the way through go oh actually that was pretty impressive from yeah. him the way he negotiated there yeah. and the way he's representing himself in this meeting mm. and it's it, there's so much there's so much to talk about and I think that is part of the genius of this show is that you can watch it and you can watch it three times and you will pick up on different people yeah. doing different things because there's not a big light above someone with an arrow going yeah. look he's changed here yes oh look they feel like this L- look at this character development mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. no one no one gets the little soliloquy where they go off and talk about yeah. how um, how the wife doesn't love them and yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it's such, I'm so pleased that you've enjoyed it as much as I have as well. Because yeah. it's great when you've got someone who you're able to sort of bounce off with it as well with this sort of show. That, if you cannot tell, I think this will be high up in our end of year oh, list. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have anything else for TV? No. I no, think we've got quite a bit for film though, Quite a bit we? for films. So let's, let's go on to let's that. Let's jump into the cinema. And just We have three films to cover this week. Yes. We have House of Gookie, <laughs> as oh, it shall God. always be known. Val, yes. the documentary. And, oh, it's gone, it's gone. West Side Story. I had it, I had it, and it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got West Side Story. So, one that you've seen, yes. Gookie, one that I've seen, Val, and then one that we've both seen, West Side Story. Do you want to start with Val? 
okay, yeah, I was going to go House of Gucci first because that was the order I put them in. But yes, we can start with Val. I'll be very quick with Val. So remind me, Mark, Val was... Was it some kind of... A guinea of... pig. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we, we did have a guinea pig called Val. Um, but I'm talking about Val Kilmer. Val was a documentary that was released, was it in Cannes or some kind of film festival i mean you saw this i've i didn't know anything about it but, until but you started tweeting you, about it you were the one that told me where i could find it because it was a it was an it's an amazon prime vehicle yes and when it i think it was at some sort of festival there was a lot of buzz around it people were saying it was really really good and then we waited and waited for it to appear on Amazon Prime. And I was searching through Amazon Prime UK and looking on the, you know, where can you get things? You know, the websites that say streaming now, where can you find it? And it just wasn't there. And then Twitter, um, what, what are you laughing? You went very high for a second. Oh, did there. I? What, like a guinea pig? Yes. Um, Twitter then started to ask the question. Where is Val? Where is Val? Val is should be on Amazon Prime. Why is it not on Amazon Prime? And still to this day, Val is not on Amazon Prime UK. But the other night, it arrived at two o'clock in the morning on Sky Documentaries. I was so excited and I had the opportunity to watch this documentary. It's sort of, I think it's like an hour 40, something like that. Hour okay. Hour 46 is in my head, but I don't know whether that's just something random that's come into my mind. I've just looked it up. It was at Cannes. Oh, was it? Okay. Oh, I'm glad my memory serves in some sort of way. And it was bought by A24, so Amazon Studios in the US, but then A24 distributed it internationally, which is why it's ended up on Sky. But it's taken, it's taken a long time to come out in comparison to other films that seem to be coming on the streaming platforms very, very quickly, or indeed at the same time as as they are in the, the cinema. So much sort of desired from my point of view, because it had this buzz around it, and because Val Kilmer is a very strange presence in my teenage years, in that he is my Batman. So when I was sort of 14, 15, when Batman Forever came out, me and my mate Alison, hello Alison if you're listening, we were really into... I think it was that time we were really... It was our sort of superhero movies our, our time. Yeah. And so you had Val Kilmer, you had Jim Carrey, you had Chris O'Donnell as Robin. You know, it, it was... You were a bit obsessed with Chris yeah, O'Donnell. Yeah, I was a bit right? obsessed yeah. with Chris O'Donnell. Not in any sort of romantic way. I think it was just he was... He seemed to be like... Oh my God, this is going to sound all like a cool guy when you're a teenager. He's it's like, a neat oh, guy. he's a neat guy. Because Batman was a bit too old for me, but Robin was like the right age for a teenager. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and, and because he was Robin, that, you know, and I had like a Batman uh, duvet cover and all of that sort of stuff. But anyway, me and Alison went to see Batman Forever. We loved Batman Forever. The soundtrack with Seal kiss from a rose and and by far the only good u2 song (laughs) oh totally so all of those things sort of like came together so for me val kilmer is so like he i didn't even know him i hadn't seen top gun at that time so i didn't know him from top gun i didn't know him from any other things and then of course he's in willow why are you laughing i thought you were gonna say top secret (laughs) that being his best as well yeah, yeah and top secret as well i but i think there must have been something about his batman performance that led me to just feel that he was an enigmatic character. And that's absolutely what this film really delves into. Because he later on had 
a reputation for being quite, and I'm going to put him in air quotes, difficult. A difficult person. His career on set. definitely took a nosedive mm. in the late 90s, almost after just playing Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, he ended up in the island of Dr. Moreau. Yes, which and, was very troubled. And the Saints. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of, I'm just looking at his IMDb now, there are a lot of films that I haven't heard of. Yes. And uh, uh, have him and a other like fading star, such as Cuba Gooding Jr., holding guns on the front. Um, however, uh, oh god, he played Kit in the remake of Knight Rider as well. However, I would still say that um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from the mid two thousands is a amazing film. And, and interestingly, the, there's, it, there's, it's incredibly art centric. This documentary, so there's a lot of art shown, a lot. A lot of stills from films and collages that he has created because he is a he is an artist. He has a company called Val Art Limited, which I love because when you put it V A L A R T L T D, mm. it actually you can you can it spells it from different ways. So it spells it going across Val, but then Val Art Limited. If you got V A L all those letters going down. Does that make sense? It's like a cube. If you put it in a cube, you are looking at me like I've gone mad. Yes. But if you put Val Art Limited underneath, like those words underneath each other, oh, it, then, it also says limited it also on the other says side. says limited at the other side. I was, I was about Art to go, yeah, but it doesn't work that, but it does. It does, it does. So he's very, he, he's an artist. He's absolutely an artist. And so you get all these collages all the way through and you get his writing uh, because he, he struggles to speak now because he's, um, got a, a tracheotomy yeah. so um, he has to um, put a um, so it's, it's a choice between breathing and speaking yes. so he has to put his finger over the hole yeah. um, in his throat to be able to speak and it's quite difficult So and it, that's hard work for him so there's so much art and writing and um, actually just some, some beautiful pieces but to go back to the Robert Downey Jr Robert Downey Jr's face comes up quite a lot so he, I think he you can really tell what he has liked in his life and what he hasn't. And I really get the sense that he has found um, someone that he likes, particularly in Robert Downey Jr. Because I don't think he would feature quite so much in these collages if it was someone that he absolutely hated. Okay. This is a just a beautiful documentary. R- really going back to Val as the artist, which I know if I say that to you, you're going to be like, maybe like roll your eyes. But this is a man that has gone through a significant medical trauma yeah. and he has come out of it at the at, at the other side and looking back on his life and also to the future, there are some fascinating insights into what it is to be an artist. And I'm saying that in the, in the general term, not just um, an artist that creates paintings that goes up on the wall but an artist in terms of of acting really takes you back to his childhood to childhood traumas that he's that he suffered how grief has had a huge impact on his life how some of the other family members who are no longer with us could have could have gone on to do what they do other things and how that the weight of that I think has really affected him and looking at him as someone who went to Juilliard which is you know the the great acting school and seeing him on stage and seeing him working on things like Hamlet you know it, it just absolutely fascinating it's not where your mind places Val Kilmer it's not it's no. not and I think all of these things come from the 
thousands, and I mean thousands, of tapes that he has in storage and you see it at one point where you go into this warehouse and it's his life on tape because he was one of the first people to have a video recorder so he was able to capture those moments that you just think that like from an archival point of view it's just amazing he sat with the tape in front of him, you know, with the video recorder in front of him, and he's taped himself over and over again doing soliloquy from Hamlet, you know, because he wants to be Hamlet because he's in his early 20s and that's who he wants to play. And then you've got the bit that I think people have concentrated on a lot, and I did, I did tweet about this because I did love it, but I don't think it's the... It's not what the film's about, but there is an amazing bit where... You'll be behind the scenes on Top Gun. And suddenly, I mean, it actually made me cry because suddenly out of nowhere you get the... And I went around for days after watching this, like like hearing the Top Gun music. And there he is with his camera, this young guy with his camera on this big set. And, you know, you're on the bus with him and then you see the ships, you know, the big sh- the, yeah. the aircraft carriers. And it really reminded me of... Like when you like you and I both went to Florida in our in our youth, yeah. not together, sadly. But do you remember when you went into like a big park, like you went to Orlando, or in, and yes. you, you, and you see massive things for the first time, like big American things, and that's how it felt. It was like wow, they built an aircraft carrier, and all all these behind the scenes moments, you know, friends together, the way that he he clearly really respects Tom Cruise, but he. He, he went a bit method in it and that he kept away from him and they they had you know the two teams of tom and goose and then iceman and the others and slider yeah yeah all right <laughs> so yeah so and and that's only a moment in it but it's it's this just absolutely beautiful look on a man's life as an actor as a father as a husband and obviously like the the, the person who i am the, the work that i do in my, in my job means that I look at this and I question what we are being shown because it's his narrative, isn't it? Absolutely, you know, yeah. It's absolutely what he has put together. He is the producer. He is the person behind the camera. So I think you have to look at it and think, what is he? what has he chosen to show us and how has he chosen to produce that to us? But that to me makes it even more fascinating like a because of the work that i do but b because that's how my mind works so i spent a lot of time thinking oh, okay right he's really showing you his relationship with his children but perhaps you know he's doing that in a he's clearly doing that in a certain way and you can really sit and unpick it and think what well, if the if they were in charge of the camera, how would they do it? His ex-wife, for example, does feature. And you think, okay, has she had the consent? You know, have they chosen certain things to show her in a particular? Like, what about all the video footage that we don't get to see? I've talked about this way too long. Like, I did not mean to go into this. <laughs> I, I, I go. cannot recommend this enough. I think it's a quiet, contemplative piece of art in itself looking at what it is to be an actor what it is to be an artist and through through this this story of Val Kilmer I just I loved it absolutely loved it I can see how animated you are with this and I can see it's obviously hit a hit a nerve um can I be dismissive and say I'm probably not going to watch it 
I think you'd really like it. Unless it turns it would... up in a few year-end lists. Mm, I... I think it would show show you something totally different. I, you know, it's 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 really peep behind the curtain stuff. Yeah. Into someone who I think is very misunderstood. You know, you've got the behind the scenes footage from the island of Doctor Moreau. You've got footage of Brando that you just think, wow, he's got this this sort of totally unguarded footage of him interacting with the, the you know in vertical the greats yes. that no one else will have mm. so it's i think it's fascinating from a from a film history perspective alongside all the other things i've talked about well i'm really glad that you enjoyed it because mm. it is something you were really looking forward to yeah. and I'm really um, pleased. monopolized our twitter account for a couple of weeks yeah, trying to find out <laughs> where uh, is val where is it anyways here yes yes House of Gucci. This is a film that didn't appear on my most anticipated films of winter, but did appear on yours. It did. So I'm quite puzzled as to how I've ended up seeing oh, this and you haven't. But it's just, it's just been, a, it's been a funny yeah, few weeks. and Yeah. It has. So this is a, this is a story of the family of Gucci. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough. Throughout the, I think it's late 80s, early 90s. Italian fashion houses had a lot of controversy going on in the nineties, didn't they? Because I knew nothing about this going in. Yeah, I don't know anything about it either. Okay, well, you know the Versace's. (laughs) Yeah, it's not so far off. (laughs) Spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the new Ridley Scott film, um, second in a couple of months. Sir Ridley. Uh, Not Sir Ridley. He's not a sir. He is a sir. He is not. He's absolutely a sir. Ridley Scott would not accept a knighthood. Right, look it up. I'm doing it now. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> anyway, so Ridley Scott from from this from this region. From this region. From the northeast. Letting down his uh <laughs> <laughs> it's gone down in my estimations now. One star. So this is his second film of the year. Second film of the year. Second film starring Adam Driver. Yeah. Um, Adam Driver's 14th film of the year, wow. almost. Well, it's not, but oh, that's oh, an exaggeration. Right. <laughs> I but, thought you meant for real. But yeah, he's been in this. He's been in The Last Night, is it? Last Duel? Last Duel. Uh, he's been in Annette, which is a film I started watching today. And uh, he is a very busy man, mm. by the sounds of it. He's, he's making hay while the sun shines. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is, I think... Let's start with the controversy about this. Because all the reviews mention the accents. Which apparently differ significantly. Uh, I mean, they differ from um, the Italian chef out of The Simpsons <laughs> to um, Bella Lasagna from Fireman Sam in the 80s. Bet she's not called that anymore. Um, Was Fireman Sam in the 80s? <laughs> must be. I thought it was 90s. Well, okay. Anyway, Fireman Sam when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, the worst offender of this is Jared Leto. Uh, and he's got a lot of press, hasn't he, for his He's wearing portrayal. heavily prosthetic. Mm. The performance it reminds me of is, you know, Faulty Towers? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, you know, the Greek chef that they get in who falls mm-hmm. in love with Manuel and mm-hmm. he is so sweet. Mm-hmm. He is playing this so broad. It is... It is distracting every time he's on screen. Is it not compelling? Because that is what I have also heard, is it's distracting, but in a piece that is full of verve and 80s and fashion and and crime, that having a presence like Jared Leto absolutely hamming it up, people were saying was actually quite good fun. 
But that doesn't seem to be the look that, that you're is, giving me. That was not my experience. Okay. I, he took me out the movie every time he was in it. It was mildly amusing at points, but then soon... This is a two and a half hour film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was, there was a lot of Jared Leto for um, very little payoff. Mm. I mean, the rest of the cast are absolutely stellar. Um, Lady Gaga is developing to such a good actress, such a really endearing performance for someone who is not the not the protagonist of this at points, shall we say. I mean, Adam Driver is soon becoming one of the best actors around and I think it's only a matter of time until he wins an Oscar. Um, he, I don't think this will be the film for it, but it's ticking down and he will get it sooner or later. Al Pacino is at his least modern Al Pacino. Um, it's Ooh, very... Wow. Rest- yes, yeah. It's, it's far more restrained than that. Okay. Um, Jeremy Irons plays sort of the... Oh, yeah, I forgot Jeremy Irons with it. Silent partner in it. And at times Mm -hmm. he is... I mean, it goes through the years. Mm -hmm. And as he is maybe getting a bit older, the makeup, it must be, must be based on uh, Prince Philip in his later life. It looked like it could be something out of the seventh season of The Crown. Um, I love Jack Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, And then loads of other people just rock up. Um, Like Reeve Carney from... um, Oh god, what's that? That Penny Dreadful. Didn't I think, watch it. I did. I know. Yeah, he was um, picture in the attic. Oh, uh, Dorian. Dorian Gray. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this passed me by. Um, Reeve Carney's character comes in as some Texas-based designer, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then it comes clear like half an hour later, like. Oh, it's him, when they mention him. Okay. I think it was meant to be obvious, but me with my limited knowledge of fashion, hello. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't get that. But it was nice at least drag at times mm-hmm. to do that. I think this has a really good beginning. I think this has a really good end. I think this is rushed in the middle. The mm-hmm. second act, people's motivations seem to change on a dime. And it might be that it was better as a four to six hour miniseries. Uh, yeah, yeah. I see. What, I... I... Without even seeing the film, I think I kind of know what you mean by seeing the trailer and yeah. hearing what you're saying. That does sound like that. But if you want to see a, a lot of likeable people and Jared Leto wearing amazing costumes and just really enjoying themselves, because it looks like this was a lot of fun to make with the settings, with the the, the opulence of be, being a Gucci, that drive amazing cars around mm. Italy, and it's it's so good. And just sitting there in the palazzo, having a little coffee, like James Richardson in Football <laughs> Italia in the late, early 90s. Not holding up a newspaper to it like he did, used to, though. But I have no idea what this reference is that like, you just made. That is a 10% joke. One, like, one person in 10 will understand that. And uh, Good. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Um... This is yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was four stars for me, and oh, the I'm really yeah, yeah yeah. Seriously, check, if you can, if it's yeah. showing, check it out. If not, I'm sure it'll be on a streaming service sometime soon. But this is going to be pushing my top ten of the year. This is not what I thought at all. I'm really surprised. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you would really get a lot out of this. It's, yeah, I think it, I would, it's very yeah. much a you film rather than me. I but agree. That's why I was thinking. I'm surprised. That, yeah, I'm really glad I went to see it. Oh, good. I'm pleased. Two good films. Yes. Now and now and now the film I have been desperate to talk to you about because it's the one obviously we've both seen. Yes. Went to see it separately as per. 
West Side Story. So, can I just say now, I mm. think it is okay for us to be far more liberal with the plot points yes. than we would than do we would otherwise. This is a remake of yeah. a 50-year-old film, 60-year-old play, yeah. and a 400-year-old um, basis. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. So, I think anything that appeared, any plot points that appear in the first film mm. um is fair game for okay. this so look if okay. you if, if you if you aren't familiar with west side story and want to tune out now i am judging by you i think i'm more positive on this than you mm-hmm. um, <laughs> i don't know what that noise was but, but mm. i have i think this is a really well-made film but i have huge issues with massive parts of it okay including its entire existence in the first place <laughs> Okay, why don't you go first and I will listen to what you say and I will tr- attempt to formulate my opinion on this because I'm really, really struggling at the moment. Okay. So I, I'm i going straight in for mm. plot points. I think that the... Uh, Ansel Elgort really bothers me. Half the time I look at him and I see Marlon Brando in Guys mm-hmm. and Dolls mm-hmm. um, and I think his face... All, his face sometimes just looks like that Hollywood icon. And then another time, there is a tear rolling down his cheek. And I'm like, oh, that's, oh he's going for sad at this point. Um, and it seems like from scene to scene, it's a different person. Um, there's obviously been a lot of controversy around Ansel Elgort. I don't think if this film was cast today, he would be put in this role. But you have to, you know, this was done before. And I this. think it's really fascinating to see and I've noticed this a lot that when Spielberg <laughs> you have to mention it's a Spielberg film we haven't done that yes. yet when Spielberg is doing the rounds in terms of interviews he uh, Ansel Engel is nowhere to be seen yeah um in fact actually I, what I really like is Spielberg is promoting the women in the film yeah. which I I've got lots of good things to say about uh, I think the sharks are brilliant in this. I think David Alvarez as Bernardo yeah. is just the right sort of menacing. Also cares shows he cares about his family, mm-hmm. and it's far stronger. I'm relatively familiar with the 1961. Is it uh, I'm um, not sure. original? I think it's something mm-hmm. like that. But obviously, best best picture winning yeah. film, um, and I think that's a massive step up. Um, I think the Jets are absolutely played in the t- completely the wrong turn. Um, I've had so many g- comments about how Riff is the MVP of this film. Yeah, yeah. To me, he was channeling Jack from Will and Grace, who is a great character, but is not a gang leader to me. Ooh, okay, okay. And okay. I just, it, I looked at them and thought, these guys are about as threatening as the kids from Bugsy Malone and the cats from Top Cat. Ooh, can I come in on this point? Because yes. I think it... it... It'll, it'll, I'll lose it and I'll not come back to it. But on this point, I think it's so interesting to see Riff played in this way. I thought it was completely refreshing that you had someone like the guy whose name I don't know. Who? What's it? You look at the actor's name while I keep talking. So, Mike Faced. Mike Faced. So I think he is so different from what we would expect a Riff to be. A Riff in the original film is uh, quite stocky, he's quite boxery, he is, you know, little fiery, little little angry man, essentially. And I think it's so easy to go into that gang leader who looks like that. In this film, they're particularly highlighting where the, where the Jets have come from, in that they are the children 
of people who lived in that area that didn't get out. The, it, there's there's a um, real slant of people who had come across from Ireland in, in particular, so sort of have Irish heritage, mm. and um, the, with the people that they talk to, and with the, the the Irish pub sign that they um they show has been taken over by other people, and that's their sort of their racism coming through to say, oh well, this was an Irish pub one, then yeah. now someone else has taken over it, someone who we don't like. So they, they they fall back on that heritage quite a lot in the film and really really play on it. I think these are absolutely the kids that would have been left behind, the kids that had nothing else, that, that that all they have is this gang. I think he's incredibly charismatic. I I really like the fact that he's not an archetype. He's a, a real person with you can see why that that racism, you can see why that fear of the unknown and also that desire to, in inverted commas, retain your territory i think that really really comes out of, of of his performance much more so than the original film where i think it was very much oh we don't like these people over here because they're a different color to us i think there's so much more going on within that performance to show where that racism has come from i right okay, i mean you obviously read it differently to me mm-hmm. i was just sat there going through going why people get out of the way of them. They're just mm. kids. And they did not sell to me that there was any danger or um, attitude with them at all. And I, my take on it was they would run rather than fight because I did not see them as being intimidating or anything like that. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, difference of opinion. Yeah. The absolute stars of this are the female cast. Yeah. Um, I mean, how could you not? Like, Rachel Ziegler, who, in one of her first roles... She's amazing. I mean, she's got such uh, a stunning voice. Um, and, and the camera loves her. Yeah. Like, as soon as the camera sort of touch, even, you know, from a from a long distance, once that camera sort of goes onto her, yeah. that is it. And I think that's where uh, the character of Tony... I think Tony falls down as a character in the original film. I don't think the... I think I remember thinking about the original film. You know, Tony's meant to be of the former sort of like leader of the gang. He's the person who's getting in a lot of trouble and he's now trying to get away from the gang. The the Tony in the original film, you couldn't imagine him in a gang if you yeah. if you tried. I still struggle to see Ansel Elgort in the as the gang leader, but I, I see him much more because you see that bra, that bra, that Brando moment. I can kind of see that he's someone who's tra- who's been to prison and he's trying to turn his life around. You know, you get a little bit more from that. But I think his problem also, and the problem with that character is, as soon as you've got um, Maria, as played by Rachel is it Z- Ziegler, yeah. um, as played by Rachel Ziegler, you have, you've got no chance. You've yeah. got absolutely no chance. See, the way they shoot her face, it's, actually, at one point, it really reminded me, and this, this is going to sound really weird, right? But it really reminds me, it's probably the eyes, of seeing in Lord of the Rings where you see Gollum's face, and it, the, 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 I know that's, that I, I realise that's going to sound really bad, but it's the fact, it's the the lighting on the face, yes. the, the the eyes, and the do you, do you know what I mean? I know I sound like completely like I've I've lost it, but do do you see what I mean? Like that sort of you know peeping up and with the big eyes, and no, you don't, no. I, no, right? Okay, no. move on, Lee, move on. I mean, I really like yeah. somewhat precious, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought she was just absolutely stunning in her performance, and she is meant to be more, more innocent, but 
Spielberg's direction and certainly the writing in this gives her a little bit more oomph. You know, she talks a lot about looking after her father for many years. She's yes. she's not the simpering Maria. That she I has think seen the seen world, yes. um, even if only just a small part yes. of it. Um, Ariana DeBose, oh, give God. her the yes. best uh, supporting actress oct- uh, yeah. Oscar right now as Anita. Yeah. She steals every scene she's in. She absolutely does. Um, and she, yeah, she the camera loves her. She is obviously, she came through as part of the ensemble for um, Hamilton. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So obviously has pedigree yeah, in all Broadway, this. Um, experience, huge mm. theatrical experience. And actually, if you listen to interviews, I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews on this. If you listen to the interviews with her, she is one hell of a confident woman. And she she has gone into this and I can absolutely play this. Yeah, I know this. There's a, there was a interview with her I, I listened to the other day where she said something along the lines of, this is this is my my body is designed for it or my 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 talent is designed for this. It was words to those effect, and you know that real confidence that we perhaps we don't see in many women. We okay. sort, sort, yeah. sort of like there's there's a there's a thing that women tend to do, which is really sort of like oh a bit self deprecate. Yeah. Oh, I'm not really that. Oh well, I just but she was like no no. I, I was born to do this. This is this is my role and I'm the best person for this. I loved seeing that in the interviews with her. Um I I mean I love the songs uh, apart from I'm so pretty, I feel pretty, which is a bad song. And also one hand one heart which I can't I can't send the simpering songs. Okay. Oh, we're going to put our hands together. We're going to sing to each but other. But America well. is a fun song. Yes. Um I remember yeah. the first time I saw West Side Story was during the summer of 1994 because mm-hmm. it was also we watched it as part of GCSE Romeo and Juliet, and also it was being used as the theme tune to the American World Cup. Oh, so okay. we were like, "Oh, that's where this is from." Um, Maria um, reminds me of my mother because she always sings "The Simpsons." Oh, I once God. met a girl named The Simpsons. Whenever it starts on TV, uh, yeah, I mean, so many songs that you forget are from this. Um, just it's banger after banger. All the way through. My problem is, I do not understand why this has been remade. Mm. Because this is such a almost shot for shot remake at times. And I expect better from Steven Spielberg that he would do something with this. The original is problematic. You have Natalie Wood in brown face. And that is obviously resolved and, by and this. And also George Shakiris, yes. I think. And also um, Rita Moreno. Yeah. Um, many of the yeah. cast, were their, their skin colour was changed. And that, and obviously that is resolved in this. Yeah. Uh, it's authentic casting. Yeah. However, there are still massively problematic moments from the original where characters who are Officer Krabke and we're having a laugh attempt to rape, and uh, that's never play, paid off. It's no one's ever punished for it, and we're like stop that, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I think we've grown out of that in society now. I expect better from Steven Spielberg than to put I, that in. I think there was. Uh, well, I. It's a crucial. It's a crucial, and I'm going to talk about plot points here, everyone. So if if you if you don't want to hear sort of like major plot elements that don't necessarily appear in your Romeo and Juliet because it do, this one doesn't, um, then turn off now. That scene is in the original, yeah, and it is a major turning point for Anita. There needs to be something that changes Anita's mind when she goes to Doc's. 
So when she goes to Doc, she's going to tell Tony yeah. that Maria's going to find her. And she's she's this is a woman who's tried to um, work with this this new place that she's because she wants to be in America. Her boyfriend slash you know her husband debated. He's talking about yeah she had he's talking about all the things that are wrong. She's well you know I can do this in America. I can do that in America. And she's trying to get them to speak English. She's trying to encourage them to work with the people in in, in America. And so she's she, you see that through her eyes. And then she comes to Docs and instead of working with her as she she comes in good faith they 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 threaten her there is a there was and it says at the the beginning the sexual threat yeah i and, think i i would say it's more than sexual threat oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah i know yeah, yeah. it's I obviously know, very but, yeah but there's 12 there's, a there's version viol- of, you know yeah, there's yeah. sexual violence and that is absolutely as it is played in the in, in the film in yeah. the original film and that is what changes her mind because she she's going there in good faith she's going look you know i've come here but and and look what you've done mm. look what you are doing to me now in this version of the film what i really appreciate that spielberg did where he put other women in the frame yes other women that weren't geeing the men on other women that were screaming yeah for this incident to stop and to get off her and that the men shut her out. And for Rita Moreno, who was obviously the Anita in the original film, to come up and she actually, she uses language that she uses in the original film. So I remember lines that she said as Anita. Yes. She said, I know you. And in the original film, Anita said, you know, I know each word. So you've got all of that. That shading and that that extra in, in in that scene, and that's what changes Anita's mind. So yes, I understand. It, it's incredibly uncomfortable. It's not what you want to watch. I I realise that, but that's the thing that makes Anita say Maria is dead. But that is I I, I don't think it fit. And look, you can do that. You can use turn to make these things have more impact and things like that. For me, it's the people who are committing it, and then the people carrying Tony off uh, into the Tony's dead body mm, off into mm, the distance. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. In two minutes later, yes. and yeah, I, I just yeah, think that I, I didn't think the ending worked. No, I really didn't think the ending worked. Um, and I ex- like, I think you can exclude characters from that to mm. allow them to have that little classy moment at the mm. end. I don't want to see a rapist carrying away mm. the uh, protagonist of this. Yeah, that's yeah. where I. That's where I have problems. Yeah. yeah. If I don't, I think Steven Spielberg obviously has a lot of goodwill in the bank, but if we're going to criticise Tim Burton for making remaking Dumbo, we need to hundred percent be re, um, criticising Steven Spielberg for just essentially remaking West Side Story for me. The the complexity and the, the complication in my mind comes from the fact that that in the the first sort of half an hour, I was thinking this is a beautiful remake of West Side Story. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's absolutely glorious the sepia tones that that color grading it it looks like your old school hollywood film and therefore i'm thinking well what is the point i get my complication comes from the fact that i think that he's doing things in this remake that brings it up to date where he, the, the things like the authentic casting like you say the things like the fact that we spend a lot more time with the people who are in the sharks we understand more about bernardo's mm. li- life at home we never got to see that before we got to see anita and bernardo dancing on a roof that in america in this we get to see them in their family home we get to see them what you know they are working people we get to see them in their community and I just, 
there's just so much more there. It, it sort of rights the wrongs of the original film, and that's why I feel, I feel sort of that that good that sense of goodwill towards it because I think it talks so much more openly about the tensions that are inherent in a film which you're talking about two communities who are just completely and then and. Steven Spielberg talks about it being, you know, miscommunication and misunderstanding, and you, what you want them to do is just to, to, to give e- give each other a chance. And I realise mm. that the people who really need to sort themselves out are the jets, and I, I totally get that. The sh- it's not the sharks' fault. The sharks have, have had all sorts of things done done against them, so it's absolutely the jets that need to sort themselves out. But you just want them to to find some some level of of, of commonality and to and to work together. And that's, that really, really comes out of, of this film for me. I think it's a real teaching tool. So I agree that it's an improvement on the original, but I think it's so marginal. Um, I don't see the point. Um, it is, for me, it's like Tracy Emin uh, redoing the scream, but just sorting out a little smudge in the corner. Um, it, it obviously, I think, as we said, West Side Story has problematic things, as do a lot of films mm. from that time. I still enjoy it whilst acknowledging those those problems um for me it's sort of a three and a half star musical the original i would give this four stars but i don't see why steven spielberg has put so much time and effort into a marginal improvement on an original film oh, i think he loves it i think it's a it's a personal piece isn't it it has to be well that this, oh, absolutely this his, and it, this was the film it's that he wanted dedicated to, to dad uh, yeah, yeah. as well yeah. but yeah, but a lot of people like a lot of films. <laughs> and for Steven Spielberg, who can pitch any single thing in the world... And, you know, what, maybe Steven Spielberg's like, you know what, fuck it. Oh, um, yeah, I'm, if I'm, I want to do that, yeah, I wanna, it's my yeah. favourite musical, I want to do it. And he has gone back to the Broadway musical rather than the ori- original film. Has he, though? Yes, he has. I yeah, think there's a lot... the interviews. Yeah, and, and, and he's I would challenge that because... I, of the others. I, I, I flicked through the original and there's a lot of scenes from the um, 1960s version which look very you know there is a lot well, the dancing a lot will of, be very simple the choreography will be very simple also the, also the sea back. the settings the, uh, the the silks that are hanging down from mm-hmm. uh, the wind from the through the doors and stuff like that so but you know there is it it's not a completely re- reimagining uh, by that so look I, it's I'd recommend people go see it, yeah. but I'd also recommend people put on the original and just uh, you know it's on be probably on the iPlayer at some point <laughs> soon over Christmas. So don't can can it can the two exist in in the world as two separate pieces of art? Yeah, I mean we we are in a world where things are remade, mm. but I expect better from Steven Spielberg. Okay. That's that, that that's my the, feeling. The direction, don't you think it was beautifully directed? Yeah, yeah, but. Oh, is it, you just take it's, it as read that it's going to be, it's just, you know... Yeah, I mean, it's a really well-made film. Mm. But I don't see it improving significantly. Okay, so Baz Luhrmann, when he did Romeo and Juliet, he absolutely ripped it up, said it in a different thing, different soundtrack, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was a reimagining of Romeo and Juliet. Okay. I don't see why you remake a Oscar-winning film such as West Side Story and just essentially tweak it 10%. Interesting. So where do you sit on this then? <laughs> well, I, as you can tell, I would have to give it this narrative because I can't just pick a star rating. You know, you said oh, I'd give it four stars. I have siphoned through all the stars 
since I've seen it and there's nothing that I can come and sort of rest on, you know, like, you know, when you've got like a, um, um, one of those machines in Las Vegas, what they're called, I'm twirling back, that's it, and they twirl round and round and round and you're waiting for like the three pears to be in a row or whatever, or the three melons. Pears, yeah, it's often yeah, pears, it's often, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, my, my, my mind is that slot machine, sort of, every now and again it sort of stops on a pear, a lemon, and a melon, or something okay. like that. I, I can't, and so, then then I pull the handle again, and it stops somewhere different. So is it five stars? <sighs> Sometimes it is. Is it one Sometimes star? Sometimes it is. Mm, no, it's is it not. Two star? It's not a one. No, no, I wouldn't give it. Well, okay, so we narrowed it down oh, to three, four, or five. Then. Yeah, yeah, I think it's some. Call it four, but it doesn't. Call it four, and we'll be done with it. Three, three, is it as good as Inside Out? Uh, yes, listeners of the podcast will uh, will know that we have still have a Mark still has some, some sort of hangover about my review of uh, Inside Out. I I I can't because I think it just oscillates between them, and then even sometimes I think, like you, why was this even? This is a one star film mm. because why was it even made? But it's clearly not a one star film because if you look at the film itself and the, I think that would be. I think that's a a real disservice to the people who have worked on it, and that's why I wouldn't feel that it is that that I wouldn't be comfortable giving it that lower rating. But then I feel really like it's just sort of like if you give it three, it's a bit sort of like meh. People work on a lot of films, a lot of bad films, right. and yeah, I don't think this is a bad film. I think it's worth saying that this film has tanked at the box office. Yes, um, and in our showings, because we were we were. Because uh, obviously seeing, seeing it separately, we were we were like messaging each other just before the film started to sort of say one person in. Yeah, two mine was in. the IMAX screen in my local cinema mm. and with the reclining seats, and that is yeah. always busy. So the, the same day when you couldn't get a seat mm. in outside the front two rows for Spider Man the next week, and obviously you can't compare the two, but there was me and two other people in there. And the same with me, I um, was uh, sat at the back on the recliner seat. Yeah, um, and we're thinking. Is everyone? <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's it it's took ten million dollars mm. in America from a hundred million dollars. Uh, well, and like drawing you back to cinema, and, and obviously it um like it, it um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It really, it, it would attract, I think, a maybe an older audience. Would we say? And I think the older audience aren't like going to the home. cinema. Mm. Um, if you look at the films that are succeeding at the box office, it is horrors and it is superior films yeah. um slash film daily did a really really interesting podcast on that um looking at the box office uh for it oh, and so oh, yeah, yeah i would we... really recommend people yeah, go yeah. i think it was from monday this week or tuesday this week okay. um so yeah i'd really recommend people check that out it's just about 20 minutes long and it's uh, i found oh, it really interesting i will go and listen to that now <laughs> yeah i'll put we'll put a link into the show notes cool. um Right, wow. we've we've done a we've done a long one. We should have done like a spoiler special <laughs> on West Side Story. No, because there's nothing to be spoiled. No, about. I know, but you know what I mean. Yes. It's it's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. The, end. <laughs> the end. Well, the end of the podcast. Yes. Yes. Not you know forever. <laughs> yeah. Just until next time. I've <laughs> said so. I've got a few <laughs> planned in to do this weekend. So I think we're going to be back quite soon. Mm. Uh, we'll be back certainly with carrying on our Matrix rewatch, and I am very still very excited about Spider Man. So um, I think you you you're going to go see it. I'm going to go see it. I'm right. going to go see it. So then we will probably put out a separate Spider Man chat in which you will probably tell me all the things that I've missed and everything from the MCU universe. 
that, uh, <laughs> that that I need to know. Yes, yes. Um, if you would like to follow us, you can do so at the Honeymoon Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like to leave us a rating, please do so. It really helps us. And or tell a friend if you think they'd like it. Right. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, and we'll see you really soon this time.